Oh, it's a big day on Sports Day Tampa Bay because we got your mailbag questions coming up in just a minute. All of them answered 100% correctly or, and this is key, your money back. We're also going to have a chance to meet, greet, and talk to Bucks offensive coordinator Liam Cohen. He'll be introduced at noon today. So our first chance to see the uh, former Rams offensive coordinator, former Kentucky offensive coordinator, then the former Let's see, he went Kentucky to the Rams, to Kentucky, and then and then to Tampa Bay. You know why I think he relates to Baker Mayfield? Because they've all had about the same number of teams in the last three or four years, I think. Um, maybe maybe Baker has uh, done it in a, in a shorter time. But Liam, Co- Liam Cohen will be introduced, and so that's something to look forward to later today. Um, let's see, what else we got? Uh, the Bucks are in search now for a special teams coordinator, and that's because Keith Armstrong has decided to uh, hang it up. He's going to retire. I think he's 60 years old, I want to say, right about there, but a great career for him. They uh, interviewed some guys, including their special teams assistant, which was Keith Tandy, um, former defensive back, former safety for the Bucs, a number of years, really good guy, good coach. I think he's going to be a special teams coach or or a defensive backs coach one at some point, maybe this year on the staff, but he's a good candidate. They also interviewed Titans special teams coach Craig uh, Ackerman and then also uh, uh, another veteran. There's a former Giants, Panthers, 49ers, and Jets special teams coordinator Thomas uh, McGay and then there's another guy who used to used to be on the Buck staff. I think it was under Greg Schiano, and they're going to bring him in. I'm sure His it name, was because as soon as you mentioned him on your timeline, it w- exploded. I saw that. Yeah, Phil Galliano, who was a he was a, he was an assistant special teams coach, I think, back in the day under Greg Schiano. And yeah, I saw somebody said nobody on Schiano's staff should ever be hired again here. Uh, I remember Phil. He's a pretty good dude, and, he, and he's gone on to uh, uh, to work in the league. Uh, he was with the Saints um, in the past, and so uh, he's going to be coming in. Also uh, introduced on Monday, the Atlanta Falcons had their press conference for Raheem Morris, their new head coach after an exhaustive search that included two interviews with Bill Belichick. They really didn't get into the whys. Uh, some of these other guys that interviewed, including Jim Harbaugh, did not get the uh, offer, but Raheem, Raheem did. And I think it's more about sort of the culture and where the Falcons are at, who they trust. The fact that Raheem was an interim head coach there certainly didn't hurt him. Um, you know, I think that he's one of the – I'll say this about Raheem, and I've been around a lot of coaches, and, of course, you know, he was one that uh, came to Tony or to uh, John Gruden's staff and was here with some, you know, pretty good holdover, holdovers from Tony Dungy's staff on defense, including Mike Tomlin. He's very close to him. But Raheem is one of the smarter assistant coaches, uh, i.e., and now a head coach that I've been around. He did it the right way. Like this guy uh, was given a lot of responsibility very early in his career. Was a defensive coordinator for Kansas State, and then. And when he came to Tampa, you know, he was a defensive backs coach. Gruden was gonna make him was gonna make him the defensive coordinator, but before he ever got a chance to coach a game, Gruden was fired and then they made Raheem the head coach. Thirty two years old, was not ready for it, but who is right at that age? Um and especially wasn't ready for the circumstances. We've talked about this where 
you know, the team was not going to uh, spend money. They started cutting veteran players, including Derek Brooks. Uh, Mark Dominic hired uh, his two coordinators for him. Both of them were fired, one 10 weeks before the season, one 10 weeks into the season. Um, it was a disaster the first year, 3-13. and 13. And then, all of a sudden, he got to take hold of his own team. He called the defense. The next year, they go 10-6. and six. And then the next year, they start out 4-2. and two. Bunch of injuries, no free agents for three years, nobody behind these guys that got hurt, and they lost 10 in a row, and he was fired. Uh, he has coached receivers in Atlanta. He has coached defensive backs. He has been a defensive coordinator in this league, um, and, and most recently for the Rams. He's won two Super Bowl rings. So, you know, he's paid his dues, and it was interesting just to see how humble he was. He's always been a humble guy, but, like, how genuinely, like, thrilled that he's back in Atlanta um, where he came also close to winning a Super Bowl and Tom Brady ripped their hearts out 28-3. to They were trailing, and Brady brought them back. Of course, greatest Super Bowl comeback ever, and part of that is his motivation uh, to give Arthur Blank, to give the Atlanta Falcons their first Super Bowl. But that one, he said, still stings uh, and always will. And he's there to avenge that. But first, and he mentioned it, there's, we get, you know, the elephant in the room is, who's the quarterback? You know, And a lot of teams are asking him themselves that. And that's why Baker Mayfield may have options. I don't think he's going to have it in Atlanta. I don't think that's what Arthur Blank wants to do. I would never say never. Um, but certainly the Falcons need a you know, need a quarterback. And so they got to decide how they're going to go about that. They're still hiring coaches. Um, But it was great to see Raheem in this role again in Atlanta. He's the first African-American head coach in the Atlanta Falcons history, which he he mentioned it's not um, lost on him or the historical importance of that and, uh, uh, and just how much that means to the city as well and the fan base. So, you know, I mean, listen, I'm I'm not a fan of teams. I'm a fan of people, and then Raheem's good people. Very close to Rondé Barber. It's his best friend. Um, and, again, just a lot of Tampa ties. So you have Raheem Morris in Atlanta, right? You have – I mean, the NFC South is kind of got, you know, Dave Canales in, in Carolina. It's got a real Bucks imprint on it, you know? And it's been a while since Raheem's coached here, but he was with the Falcons before. So there's a lot of familiarity – among those co- head coaches anyway, and coaching staffs with the Buccaneers and how they go about their business. And, you know, down the road, that might be a good advantage for those other teams. You just don't know, you know, how much insider knowledge they kind of have about the organization, um, you know, what, how they get things done, how they go about things. So we'll see. And, and yes, there's a, you know, still a free agent quarterback out there that the Bucks would like to have back. And I think the, uh, the biggest tell is what they did at offensive coordinator uh, in terms of hiring, you know, a guy that has worked with him uh, for the for the uh, Los Angeles Rams in those five weeks that he was there anyway. So that was important. But we'll ask Liam, like, I mean, the man, he's well-traveled. And I'm just curious, like, why, of course, opportunity does that to you, but I'm, I'm curious why he would want to go back and forth in, in you know, is the college game more attractive? There's a lot of problems, obviously, with NIL and so much going on there. Uh, or is he just looking, you know, to to climb the ladder any way he can, no matter uh, even if that means this much instability for him and his family. So we'll have a chance to talk to him at noon. Coming up, your mailback questions in just a second. But first, 
You know, for the past 14 years, the skilled pros of May Electric Solar have been installing solar energy systems in Florida. They provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods and service while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors. They've always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Well, now May Electric Solar offers a 30-year, no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years. May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means that your roof, electrical, and equipment replacement is covered. Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar. It's owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. Now, this policy will transfer the new homeowners with no fee. It's not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of this program. May Electric Solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned them this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, Call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, one more thing before we get to the mailbag question. So they've got this Super Bowl Monday night, Steve. You remember, you know, this happened, I don't know, umpteen years ago. It seems it, probably a lot longer than it, than my memory serves. Um, it's been a while. Uh, this, this replaced what used to be the Tuesday, traditional Tuesday afternoon media day is what we called it. It's media day at the Super Bowl. And that was always on the Tuesday. The teams would fly in Sunday. Some would fly in Monday. And the first access to said players and coaches was media day. And they would do those typically at the stadium, you know, where the game was being played. Uh, You got a chance to see the field, and and they'd have guys, uh, some of them up in the stands, uh, some of them on risers and different things. And it was well attended um, by the media uh, and all kinds of media, not just sports media, but also uh, entertainment, E in all those, you know, Hollywood uh, type deals. So, and then there was, you know, a lot of levity and, you know, people from, I don't know, some network with a girl in a wedding dress asking somebody to marry her and all this. So there was a lot of crazy that went with it, but um, it was functional. It was good. It was good, good content. Obviously, you could get a nice start to the week. If you were uh, someone like myself who would go, been to a lot of Super Bowls, and uh, Media Day was memorable. It was memorable for the Bucks when they went out to San Diego because they had had no weeks off, and, and Warren Sapp just kind of took over the show. He just stole it, as you would expect to. They had to literally pick him up and push him kind of off the, the field so that <laughs> so that the Raiders could come in and have their media session. He wasn't done talking yet. Um, and, in fact, I think he's carried that conversation for the last 20 years. Um, but anyway, it, it, it was a, it was a spectacle, and and yet, for our purposes in the print media, there was a lot of us, probably more of us than than anyone, uh, and we, we were there to work, and you could get a nice start on the week, and and even though it was crowded, you could still get close enough, right, um, to ask a question, to hear the responses, etc. Now, and I don't know when this began. I remember I was in Phoenix. For a Super Bowl, I don't know if it was the one I just mentioned or not. Uh, could have been a different one, but you know they started having these, you know, Monday night deals where you know Super Bowl Monday night that kind of thing, where the teams will either go to an arena like the basketball hockey arena, or in this case the stadium where the game is being played, and then all the TVs and and you know it's a television sport. Their partners are, are networks. Um, that's fine. I get all that, but these things are late at night. Like the league just assumes that every, and I guess it's a safe assumption that every media platform is digital. 
So there's real no there's no real deadlines anymore. We still have them. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, we do the e edition uh which is sort of a print version online rather than just the online as opposed to just the online version. So we still have kind of east coast deadlines if you will. Um this thing started fairly late and in fact uh you know, it's it's almost 11 o'clock, and I think the Niners were still on the stage, if that gives you any indication. So if you're an East Coast or even a Central Time uh, news gathering service or newspaper or, you know, some kind of media outlet like that, traditional media outlet, you're up against it before you even show up to those things. And it's very chaotic, and the fans are very loud. It's hard to hear. You don't get close to the risers, you know. Um you almost got to hang back where the speakers are. I'm not complaining, but I'm complaining. It just, it was a lot easier. I mean, in my day, but it was, it really was um, just a different atmosphere. Now it's, you know, the fans are invited to the arena. So there was a decidedly uh, San Francisco bent to the whole night. You know, they were really loud. They booed really loud against Kansas City. And I guess, Steve, just a lot of Niner fans either came to Las Vegas, or some of them actually live there. Yeah, I remember years ago reading a story. That's maybe been five or six years ago, but the amount of people that actually lived in Vegas and commute daily by plane to San Francisco because it's cheaper to live there and do that and buy plane tickets than to actually rent or buy in San Francisco. And that's something, yeah. You know, really expensive real estate in San Francisco. Um, Remember the other day, I think I mentioned this on the podcast, may not have, but Colin Cowherd had Harbaugh on, and, it, and in one of his last comments, he was just kind of a throwaway, and he goes, you know, you're going to have to, you know, pay a lot of money again for a house out here. It's pretty expensive. And I'm thinking, okay, one, he makes $15 million a year. Stop it, okay? You can afford any house. And two, um, you know, he, he grew up and lived, he went to high school out there. He He's coached at San Diego, University of San Diego. He coached at Stanford. He Coached the NFL in San Francisco. He knows mm-hmm. he knows what California rent and, and California mortgages are like. And and I like what he said. He goes, well, you know, Colin, I mean, I was out there. I'm kind of a West Coast guy, even though I grew up in the Midwest. He said, and uh, let me tell you, the best investments I've ever made were the homes I bought in the Bay Area. <laughs> it's like, I bet. <laughs> I bet you made a killing when you sold those things. You know, now he's got to plunk down some of that money to get a new one. But when he sells it, whenever that is, Five, six years from now, who knows? Uh, he'll make more money then, too. So as long as you've got it to put into it, you'll get it out of it. Trust me. California real estate. But, uh, yeah, it's tough out there right now. They're having a lot of rain. Um, that's the thing about California. They have a couple seasons. One is one is uh, fire and one is uh, flood and mudslides. So it can be very difficult, uh, especially in the elevations out there. So. They're going through it as I know it's raining in Las Vegas as well, uh, but who cares about that because everything's indoors, including the casinos. So you're you're okay there. As long, right, as, as, long s- as Radio Row doesn't get rained out. <laughs> oh jeez, Radio Row. <laughs> that that I'm surprised that that a people still go to Radio Row. To be honest with you, uh, and then and then all the pitchmen, you know, it's it's not captivating content to say the very least, right? Some guy is there, you know, on behalf of Under Armour or something like that. You know, it's like, you know, Windex, whatever. Uh, so who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Well, let me tell you about my new underwear I'm wearing today. <laughs> exactly. Right. 
It's crazy. You know, it's it, it, everybody's got a pitch, and you have to ask them, and then you got to ask them about the game. Well, who do you think is going to win? Well, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm not a gambler, you know. Some of them might be, but they all have an opinion, you know. But usually it's like, oh, I kind of like the Snyder's team, you know. Who's who's taking this content from these folks? Who wants it? But, um, yeah, Radio Row, uh, they get a lot of opportunities, and they, they get a lot. It's, it's a big pitch man weekend um, for a lot of uh, former players and coaches. Uh, I know uh, Jerry Rice has like seven different things he's got to go to out there in the next few days. So he's he's pitching his heart out as well. But uh, shows are out there. Dan Patrick's out there with his show. Uh, of course, all the first takes and all that are going to be out from uh, Las Vegas too. So it's a Super Bowl week, and it's, it, I'm curious, like for those that do Super Bowls, what it'll feel like. I think Las Vegas, in many ways, will be like New York. That if you didn't know, you may not know there's a Super Bowl because it's a big deal every week out there. You know, like there's it's convention city, it's mm-hmm. it's sin city, it's entertainment capital. Like there's so much going on that I think it will absorb the Super Bowl without much other than the prices of the hotels were like $1,500 a night. Uh, I think it will absorb the the energy of the Super Bowl the way it would any Las Vegas weekend. All right, we got your mailbag questions. Uh, we'll do a few of those. Let's get started. We were talking about coordinators earlier, so we got a few questions on that. Michael asks, is Dave Canales the first Buccaneers coordinator to be hired away to be another t- NFL team's head coach? We're just kind of, you know, kicking that question around, and and I'm sure I'm probably going to get this wrong because that's what I – well, no, I can't get it wrong. It's 100% correct or your money back, so I don't want to give your money back. I will say that no. Um, I know there's been a lot of position coaches, some of which have gone to other places and then been coordinators and then became head coaches. That would be like the example of Mike Tomlin who went to Minnesota for one year as a coordinator. Lovey Smith. Been, yeah, Love, Lovey Smith was, was a coordinator in St. Louis – uh, Herm Edwards, I think, is probably one of those that did go from a position coach to head coach because he went from the Bucks, uh, uh You know, he was an assistant head coach to Tony as well as defensive backs, but he went from there to the New York Jets as a head coach and then Kansas City after that. Rob Marinelli was a defensive line coach that went to Detroit. Uh, he was not a coordinator, I don't believe. Um, so the ones that I'm familiar with were all, at the time they left anyway, position coaches – unless they went to another place and, and did a year or so as a coordinator there before getting hired. So uh, it's not a prerequisite necessarily. Uh, it seems to be the natural sort of process of things. But, you know, you, you know, Dave Canales was here all of one year and called plays all of one year. And, and you know, he goes from that to a head coach. So I'm, that's, you know, that's a big leap in and of itself. You know, and um, it was more common back in the day that maybe a position coach would be given an opportunity than than now. Now it seems like you almost have to be some kind of coordinator before you can get an interview. And 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 those are two different jobs. You know, I'm always fascinated by. Well, this guy calls plays really well. He calls a good defense. I think he'd be a great head coach. And some are, but a lot of them are just really good coordinators. <laughs> and you know that that job as head coach, as we said here many times, is not is not anything remotely like a, a, of a coordinator. Things run by your desk that you have no idea that you have to deal with. It's not football-related. Sometimes it's people-related. Sometimes it's organizational, ownership-related. Like There's a lot of things you have to do besides coach 
And uh, that's always shocking to people. And I know they get their jobs because of their success calling plays, but it's so much more than that. So, um, but I'm, again, I'll look it up uh, when we have time, but I don't believe that there has been um, a coordinator. Position coaches, eventually Wayne Fonts was a head coach. There's guys, right? There's dudes that were on the staff. They usually had to go somewhere else and, and, and maybe get that coordinator's job. Brian asks, the news that Dave Canales and Raheem Morris are now the Carolina and Atlanta head coaches. Which of these coaches do you see having success first and or long term? I will admit I'm biased and think Raheem got a raw deal with the Bucks and will succeed. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I would say this, that I think the one that's in the best position to succeed is Raheem for a number of reasons. One is his experience. You know, he is he has paid his dues. He got a chance to be a head coach at a very early age at 32 um, like I, we mentioned before, they hired his coordinators that they then fired the second year. He took over the defense. They went 10 and six. They narrowly missed the playoffs. And then they were four and two and got a bunch of injuries in England, uh, against the, the bears, I believe bears or Patriots. And, um, then the wheels came off. So I, I think Raheem, because of his experience and also ownership, right? Like, I think good organizations win Super Bowls. Now the Falcons have not won one, but they, you know, they didn't finish one, right? They were up twenty-eight to three. You absolutely cannot lose that game. I don't care if it's to the goat uh, or or you know somebody else that you might worship, but it it, it doesn't it can't happen. And and it did happen. And I was there for it because I had three stories written on my computer in different screens, and I had to keep going back and forth from each of them until I settled on you know. Brady with the greatest comeback of all time. Um, but Arthur Blank is is built a much more stable franchise. They have a good personnel department. They have good players. Uh, again, they're a quarterback away. Not the easiest thing to fill, I was for sure. Say, but isn't that part of the biggest key? I mean, if I think Atlanta's got the better roster. In, in well, or, if you were going to say, if you were going to tell me that that Young is that guy, and he and they've already got their guy, and they just need to build around him, I I wouldn't disagree with you necessarily, yeah. but I I still think that there's more to learn about him. Agreed, but I I you think know? if you look at the rosters at this point, he's the best mm-hmm. quarterback on either team. Now, Agreed. how good he's going to be, no clue yet. I mean, we saw yeah. Trevor Lawrence have an awful first year in in Jacksonville. I think Bryce is going to be okay. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be like first round okay. Mm -hmm. You know, it'll be interesting to see how his development happens now. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Trevor Lawrence obviously turned it around and was considered a tremendous quarterback going in. Well, you couldn't believe the year he got rid of Urban Meyer, right? Well, yeah, that was part of it. And no, just get good players around him and see what he does. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be that's going to be the task for Carolina: just a better offensive line find out what he does best and then do that. And he should be good. Um, but I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the plan is for the Falcons. My guess is they're going to draft a guy. They tried Ritter. It didn't work out. I don't know what you do with him. Cut your losses there. Um, I don't, you know, there's some that speculate, Oh, Baker Mayfield, you know, he's going to leverage him. I don't know that Arthur blank wants to go down the free agent route again right now. I think he'd like to build something that's, you know, going to be sustainable and and get them to the promised land. So I don't know that I would count Atlanta, even though everybody, you know, one and one equals three because, you know, they were together, Raheem and Baker, and they do know each other, like each other together. And 
Los Angeles for those five weeks or six weeks, whatever it was. So there's there's mutual admiration there. And certainly, if you're Mayfield's agent, you want to drum up some kind of interest from Atlanta, uh, real or imagined, because so, you can you know, try to leverage whatever you have with the Bucks, who absolutely want to bring him back, and that's intentional because of who they've hired as an offensive coordinator. Um, but Canales has a learning curve, not just – not just as a uh, play caller. He's still – look, he was still overmatched last year, more games than not, on offense. And now he's going to – you're going to tell me he's going to do that, right, which certainly took all his time and energy before and be the head coach and have things run across his desk that he's not prepared to deal for, never imagined, have nothing to do with football. That's going to take his time away from uh, from coordinating the defense. Like – you know, I just I don't or the offense. I I, just, I don't know. I don't know how Canales is going to handle that because he has you know he's been in the league a while, but it's a different job. It's a different job if you're a play caller on offense or defense. Um, haven't heard if Raheem's going to call it or not. I know he's not going to call it. You know, he's not going to call the offense even though he's coach receivers. But I haven't heard if he's going to get a defensive coordinator. I may have missed that. Um, but Canales is calling plays. Of course, he's bringing his buddy Brad Idzik with him to help him with that. Um, but, yeah, quarterback, they got one, presumably, unproven, got to build around them. Atlanta's team, however, is a better team. Mm-hmm. They've got some real pieces, really good players. Bijan Robinson, obviously the tight end is great. I mean, they, they've got some dudes, Drake London. They just they just need to find that trigger, man, and, and, they'll, and they'll go. Um, so I, I still have – I think I have more faith – because of because he's been through this and waited so long and and you know worked on his weaknesses and worked for the Rams and worked for good organizations that have won Super Bowls, I think Raheem has the advantage. Go Snarfast. I didn't see Byron Leftwich as an offensive coordinator candidate during this hiring cycle. Did he also retire or is he headed to a college program? I haven't heard. Uh, the last I heard is that he was. Uh, supposedly, and it hasn't necessarily been reported, uh, I think there was some interest from the Rams, uh, or not the Rams, the Raiders, I'm sorry, the, the, the Las Vegas Raiders, who had a coordinator, uh, and then he bolted to the Washington Commanders before they could introduce him. Uh, and then I think they moved quickly and hired the former Bears coordinator. So uh, if, if, in fact, there was some desire or thought about Byron going there, it hasn't happened yet. They may still need a quarterback's coach. So all the position hirings aren't quite done. Um, I don't know that he had any other interviews in the NFL. I, I think Byron got a raw deal. I, I think we've talked about that where, you know, he couldn't win. I mean, you know, he's averaging 30 points a game for three years and 5,000-yard quarterbacks and all that. And then everybody said when before Tom, well, that's B.A. And then after Tom, is like, well, that's Tom. And then when things went bad, well, that's Byron. <laughs> Just didn't make any damn sense. So hopefully he gets his shot uh, to prove that he can do it. Um, but we'll see. Uh, haven't I don't think all the staffs are full by any long shot. And I just haven't checked in on them uh, this week. But a couple weeks ago, uh, I know the Raiders had a real interest. Steve asked, do coaches work crazy hours in the offseason as well? Not as crazy, no. Um, but it's still, you know, th- th- there really isn't any off season per se, because it's not like, 
you just go, okay, scene's over. I'm gone. I'm out of here. They do try to give him some time off to decompress right after the end of the regular season and the postseason. And the deeper you go, the less time you have. But the NFL calendar is such that, you know, here we are in February and the Super Bowl hadn't been played yet. Uh, we're not that far from the NFL Combine, the start of the new league year in, in March. Uh, NFL Combine, the end of this month. Um, then you have the draft, and then you have mini camps and free agent, and you know a second wave of free agency, and then you have uh, eventually in the summertime a mandatory mini camp. Then you take maybe two weeks off around the Fourth of July before and or after, uh, and then you're going to camp. You know, it's just there's something the NFL has been genius in keeping something in the news uh, relevant every single month of the year, all all twelve of them except for a couple weeks. Around July fourth is when, you know, you'll see the the league office kind of shut down, and that's like the last gulp of air before you start a new season. You know, so it's it's not really relaxing because you realize that you're staring down seven eight months of of daily grind. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's probably one of those sports that, depending on your perspective, does the best job of promoting itself and and giving winning each month you know they got they get something that will that will win the ratings each month michael asks why hasn't bucks management had an end of the season press conference well they've been busy um you know it would be nice to talk to jason light and get his spin on the season before we are so deep into 2024 like we kind of already are uh but jason is just not one to really do that uh he's always you know, sort of waited until the NFL Combine to have his first uh, scrum, if you will, uh, with the beat writers. And, you know, the irony to that is you got to fly to Indianapolis uh, to talk to your head coach and your general manager that are just 25 minutes away. Uh, but that's what you got to do. And they'll go up there, and, and that'll be, I think, the first time that he's going to be available. But he'll, I'm sure he'll reflect on last year's so many questions that might not be answered by the Combine because that's pre- prior to uh, free agency. Uh, so maybe we can get some clues. Well, I think we already have a clue about what he thinks of Baker, if he's unsigned, how close the deals are, what about Mike Evans. You know, all those questions will be asked. But, yeah, they're not going to be asked, uh, you know, unless he makes himself available. Now, the interesting thing is is that he is going to be on the podium up there with the, with their new offensive coordinator, I would imagine. Uh, and if he is – he can expect some questions that maybe involve something broader uh, than just that higher. But uh, yeah, he, he, there's just not, as a rule, he's kind of waited uh, and done everything. There's media availability in Indianapolis. He's kind of waited and done everything that far removed. Because uh, there's, there's just a lot of moving parts. This year it's his staff. You know, you still don't have a special teams coach. You don't have a wide receivers coach. You don't have a running backs coach, or I'm sorry, a, a, an offensive line coach, and you don't have a run game coordinator uh, position yet. And that's just the ones we know about, right? You could have a need for a quarterbacks coach, and there could be more. So that's a full time job. And um, you know, again, unless he unless he wants to answer some questions that aren't just related to the new offensive coordinator then we probably won't see him until Indy at the end of this month. Jeffrey asked, Rick, Tampa Bay did not send anyone to the Senior Bowl to scout the players. 
what effect will this have come draft time with no one there to grade or scout these players? Or are they just going to take care of this at the combine and pro days? What do you think of this strategy? Well, first of all, I don't know if that's true, and I'd have to research that because, you know, they have a lot of layers over there in the front office. So I don't know who we're talking about per se. I know that Jason was here interviewing candidates for the offensive coordinator's job, which they would perceive as way more important. But to suggest that nobody went to Mobile, I'd have to check my colleagues on that. I guess it's possible. Um, Probably not preferred necessarily, but the thing about – you know, Mobile is that a lot of these guys are going to be in Indianapolis and you're going to have a chance to interview them there for 20 minutes. Uh, Would it help you if you got to know them beforehand? Probably. But again, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure if that's accurate or not. I just don't have any firsthand knowledge or I could take a guess. I I, I think, you know, the other thing is all these workouts are are on videotape. Uh, You know, you can get feedback from the coaches up there. Like, you know, obviously you learn a lot by watching it live with your own eyes. But nowadays, every drill, every team, every practice is all available on tape. And, um, you know, they're going to get that, right? It's still a big deal for the medicals, and those guys have to all get physicals and stuff. Um, But as far as the football goes, do you need to be there to see a football player knows what he looks like? No, but I don't know that, that nobody was there, you know? I can't confirm that just in the time that we have uh, to take the question for the podcast, but um, it's not required, probably preferred, but not, not required. David had emailed. So what are your thoughts about Ryan Jensen being on the staff for the Bucks? I thought he worked with the line this past year with limited coaching experience. I'm not sure about line coach, but continue to be a mentor to possible for rookies and additional line changes coming during the off season. Enjoy you and Steve Daly and Tom, too. Thanks for the praise. Um, yeah, I think he'd be a great offensive line coach, too. He certainly, you know, can. he's a good communicator. Been that way his whole life. Been a good teammate. Um, technically knows, you know, what the technique is to play that position at a Pro Bowl level, you know, and, and a guy from, you know, a make-it guy from Colorado State Pueblo, I mean, what can you say about Jensen? But I would say this, the dude's made so much money, and that's the case with the NFL these days. you got to remember, these contracts these days, even for you know centers or whatnot, um, I'm pretty sure that he got paid $26 million the last two years to not play, except in the one playoff game uh, against against the Dallas Cowboys where they got waxed. So, yeah. I, I don't know that Ryan wants to spend all that time. I know uh, that he was getting into a business, uh, a home owner, a home building business, a contractor of some kind with a former Buck uh, Garrett Gilkey. That was something that was on the horizon. According to Spotrack, he's made $72.162 million. So he good. He good. No, I mean, you got, could got, never have enough. No, that well, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, you know, somebody's always going to have more money than you, and if yeah. you really want something, you're going to have to work harder for it. And uh, make no mistake that, that most of these, for most of these guys, you know, this is this is the height of their earning potential, you know, in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so why not stretch it out as far as you can? But no, the the, the coach's life is one that is totally absorbed. You, you don't, you're obsessed. You don't have 
any family life during the year. And I mentioned how long the year is, including the off season. Um, yeah, it's it, it it it's more than what most players at his level that have been paid that have made it to a second contract would probably want to sign up for. Let's put it that way. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, so the uh, Tampa Bay Rays making some moves. I guess they've got a right-handed pitcher. Yeah, it looks like they're getting set to sign Phil Maton from the Astros, a 30-year-old right-handed pitcher for $6.25 million this year with a $7.75 million option next year. I like uh, it. You'll be surprised, Rick. Has a very high spin rate on both curveballs yeah, and does. fastballs. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's about to get higher. His fastball <laughs> average is only 89 miles an hour, but... Yeah, but it's it's location yep. and spin rate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a lot of weak contact too, I hear. Yes, yes. Very very well known for weak contact. So <laughs> that's what they said about me when I played college baseball. <laughs> a lot of weak contact, but I wasn't a pitcher, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I was a guy actually making the weak contact. Um that's a terrible insult for players. So So it's all okay, pending well, a physical, won't be official till next week. Yeah. Which, and they'll have to clear a roster space at that point. So they're going to work him, you think, as a starter? No, I, I think he's a reliever. I mean, he pitched oh, he's a what, bullpen guy. 68 games last year, 66 innings, something like that. I'll so. tell you what, their, their bullpen, it, and again, they always get injuries, but if you just look at what's on paper, well, maybe that's, that's maybe, the strength of their pitching more staff. More bullpen days, maybe. Yeah. I mean, no question. That, that, that yeah. is the strength of their, their pitching mm-hmm. staff. Oh, well, yeah. When you look at, you know, Glasnow's now traded, McClanahan's out. Rasmussen's right. out till late in the year. Springs is out till late in the year. I mean, you know, you start going through the. We're decimated there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Afflinger, Banks, yeah. and you got, mm-hmm. you know, a, a deep bullpen. You got two or three guys that can close games for you. Yes, you do. So, might have a few of those have to open them. You're right. And speaking um, of depth, the Lightning uh, looks like Mikhail Sergachev, Eric Chernak set to return to the lineup when uh, the Lightning will resume play tomorrow night in New York. Against Thank the God. Rangers, so they have another practice day today. But what do you think about this? Like they were playing, would they win eight out of nine going in the All Star break? That is correct. So when that happens, do you want to keep playing? I mean, there's momentum is lost, right? At that point, if you if you take like a week break and well, you know, for the All Star, look, I I think you'd want to keep playing, but you never pass up a chance to get rest, particularly when that rest means. Guys like Sergachev and Chernak are coming yeah, back. Tanner Janot isn't going to be back Wednesday, but they're hopeful on this four-game road trip he'll be back. That's a good point. You know, I mean, when all of a sudden you're getting players back, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Now, you know, are you going to be fully in sync? But don't forget, every team in the NHL is getting a week off at this point. It's all a restart. Yeah. yeah, it's not like you're the only team that went through this. That's true. Um, every team is. Now, the Lightning are going to play a back-to-back against the Rangers and the Islanders Wednesday, Thursday. The Rangers were playing tonight, or as we record this, so mm. they'll have a game under their belt returning before they play the the Lightning, and the Islanders will as well too. So, 
Hmm. Um, so we'll see. I mean, this is a this is a tough span here. They're going to face the Rangers, who are leading the Metro Division on Wednesday. Next Tuesday, they they're in Boston to hmm. face the Bruins, who are leading the Atlantic Division. So this is a tough four game structure. They also have the Islanders and the Blue Jackets on Saturday night. You really need to win that Blue Jackets game for sure. But it's a good measuring stick, though, if you want to jump mm-hmm. out here and what is kind of the de facto second half yeah. a little bit. But they're they're right now in a really good position standings wise. Mm-hmm. You know they got hot and, and made up a lot of ground while the other teams started making up the games in hand that the Lightning had and they were losing them. Yeah, and so the Lightning right now in third place. Toronto's a point back in fourth, but they've got three games in hand. But then Detroit's the next team. The Lightning are ahead of them with the same number of games played. So I mean, you're in a good spot right now. Yeah, if they Just play anything like. Like yeah, it's just, you'll be fine. Just keep winning. Mm-hmm. If they play anything like they did going into the All Star break. They're gonna, they are going to be fine, and getting yep. those guys back is going to help. Yep. And uh, tonight at the Yingling Center, huge game for the South Florida Bulls against Charlotte, first place on the line. You're not joking. Like this no. is a big story in college basketball. Period. Like not just. I can't remember, you know, what, uh, Lee Rose and Charlie Bradley, probably the next best thing going at USF basketball that far back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess Seth Greenberg had his time, but, like. They had the they had the, the NCAA run back in, what, 2013? Stan Heath, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, but, no, I mean, they've won seven in a row now. They're tied for first in the, in the, uh, uh, the American Conference with uh, Charlotte and I forget the other team they're tied with. Off the top of my head. But, so if if Joe Lenardi did his poll like last four in, like are they in the top sixty four? I haven't seen uh, if you're at the top of a conference like they are, right? You they gotta to be, be getting close. I mean, they gotta be getting close. Memphis is still considered the best team in the conference, but they have four conference losses. Two. They have four conference losses. Yeah. Memphis. Where Charlotte and, and South Florida have one right now. Like right. you know, Memphis is kind of you know, I mean, that, that's when you kind of notice South Florida when they went to Memphis. Oh, when they were down the 20. Half. Yeah. Yeah. That's NBA comeback there, man. Mm-hmm. That was that was the one that uh, that I think they, you know, there's always that game. It's like, well, we can beat anybody. It doesn't matter if we're ahead or behind, you know. Um, but that guy's done a terrific job. And if, if they make the tournament, man, wow. I, I got to say, Michael Kelly had two hires to make this season. This school year. Did okay. Alex Golish and Abdul Rahim. Like did okay. So he's far. done fantastic in their first years. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if you can get two better hires. But now do you do you blame him for the previous hires? You can. But he fixed it. He he, he has <laughs> fixed it. It's scoreboard right now. Yeah, no, the arrow is way up on USF. I mean, you know, I remember really when is. they hired Alex Golish, we talked about you don't get a third head coach. No, that was you're right. You're right. They're not going to let him do it again. You know, and there's a lot of reasons why Jeff Scott didn't work, and you know, yeah. you know, you can blame a lot of things, but you know, we kind of said you don't get a third. Like they mm. better get this one right. And Alex Golish knocked it out of the park his first year. He did, and he did it in a way that was solid. It wasn't. It wasn't mm-hmm. smoking mirrors. Like you could see it coming. Mm-hmm. You know, and they they got better as the season went along, and yep. and. Uh, uh, I and Abdul I'm, Rahim. I'm, I mean, that the team started okay, and you know they didn't have a rough schedule. It was pretty light early, and a couple losses, but new team, a lot of new players coming in. 
But you're seeing the way they're gelling and the way they're playing, and it's a fun it's a fun team to watch play as well. Yeah, no, they're very good. Um, it'll be great if they could get be part of March Madness, but that's a big game over there at the Yingling Center. So yeah, we'll have all that. It's a uh, late fun. one too to, uh, tonight at nine o'clock. Nine p.m. Wow. Yeah. ESPN the Deuce. Well, hey man, a little national TV. Maybe one day we'll get Dickie V. Maybe want to get Dickie back on on TV as soon as possible. He gets all this focal cord stuff behind him too. That that would be awesome. I would really look forward to that day. Okay, so you, uh, more Mad Back questions tomorrow. Uh, again, we'll have a chance to uh, sit down and talk with Liam Cohen, Cohen uh, of the Buccaneers, their new offensive coordinator. Maybe Jason Light some at this press conference at 12 p.m. Check it all out on uh, TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.